You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. JR. Hello, I'm Simon. Hello, I'm Lee. Hi, I'm Matt. Macroterra? <laughs> it's for sale on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we did mention this briefly before we started. Yeah. So, so that that's my that's my pre planned feeder into the <laughs> into JR revealing what he already knows. Wait, well no, what, hey, what hey what hang on a minute. I don't know anything about this. What do Neither you mean, do I. Do you genuinely that's because, know anything about Lee is a better actor because I had a conversation with Lee before the, before <laughs> the episode. No, genuinely, I Lee don't know what you're exactly talking about. what I'm talking about. What do you mean the Macrotel's for sale? You're either a good actor or you've just got a really bad memory. So, do, oh, right, but Simon, do you not know? Uh, aside from rumours <laughs> a long time ago, no. Okay, well... But, but then a lot of episodes were rumoured a long time ago, so no, I know nothing. Right, Macroterra is now up for sale on Amazon, which has presumably been put up early. Because what sometimes happens is that the BBC, or BBC Studios as it now is, will feed Amazon information and say this information isn't to go out until such and such a time. But the Amazon systems, being automated as they are, will often ignore this and just stick it straight up. So this is presumably... Never a good idea, is it? Sticking it wait a minute, wait a minute, can we just stop there? How what? the hell do you know this sort of stuff? Because it's up because on it Amazon. happens all the time. No, no, but how do you know the mechanics of how Amazon work? Because they, do you live in the because machine? it happens <laughs> because it happens so often. Yeah, it's just it's partly common sense, partly hearsay, and partly just looking at the facts and saying, oh, "Well, geez. this is what's happened." Mm. But but there's only one of you in the world, isn't there? Me? <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> so what's happened? God. So what's happened is Amazon have put something up for pre-order that they weren't supposed to put up for pre-order. Presumably until December. Uh, although it's probably... Well, I don't know when it would be out. It might be out in December. There is going to be a missing believed white thing at the BFI in December. And they have said that they're going to be showing an instalment of animated Doctor Who. Okay, funny story before I go on. They said they were going to be showing an animated instalment of Doctor Who. So on one of the Facebook groups that I've been added to, that whatever, there was a conversation about this, and the first like fifteen replies were, "Oh, an animated instalment they're showing, an episode." Well, it must be Mission to the Unknown then, because there are no other stories that are made up entirely of just one episode. And it took till about the 16th person for somebody to say, yeah, well, hang on, they might just be showing one of several that they've done. And the automatic guess by people who have followed any of this is that they'll be showing probably part one of the Macro Terror. Mm. So because a while ago there was a story in one of the papers, the Mirror, that there were going to be two animations done this year like they did Sharda last year and like they did Power of the Daleks the year before and the two stories that were named were the Macro Terra and the Wheel in Space mm. uh, Macro Terra stands to reason in fact years ago I wrote a piece about 
and this was before the Reign of Terror and all the uh, Planet 55 ones, I wrote a piece about how the BBC would be able to afford doing animations. And the story I said they should start with was the Macro Terror because, I don't know, it's just something about that story. To me, it stands alone. It's got an interesting monster that we don't have a lot of footage of. And it's uh, there's something self-contained about it that just works as a story that you could animate to start with. Anyway, that's beso- beside the point. So now it's gone up for sale on Amazon. So that basically confirms what this paper said months and months ago. Mm. Everybody kind of guessed that if they did Power of the Daleks two years ago, Sharda last year, there was going to be another one this year. And if they continue to sell and make money... Probably another one next year mm. and another one the year after that. How many episodes is Macro Terror? Is Four. Six? So Four. it's a short okay. one. Okay. So that does make sense. <clears throat> Plus, another factor is BBC America came in late in the day on Power of the Daleks, asked for it to be in colour and all this other stuff. And in the end, BBC America spent as much again on colouring it as BBC Studios had spent on animating it. Then, because of that, there was mm, some kind of falling out. And so BBC America weren't involved in Sharda. But then BBC America decided to show Sharda, which delayed the Blu-ray and DVD release of Sharda in America until after it had been broadcast. But this was months and months and months after it had come out in Britain. But, because BBC America have come back in to show Sharda, that presumably means at the time that decision was made, which was early last year if not late the year before because it happened in time to delay the blu-ray release which would have come out at more or less the same time as it in great britain so it stands to reason then that maybe america bbc america are now putting money into the macro terror as well which would have gone in before the process started so finally third time around maybe this means that the macro terror will be the first one where everybody's on board and all playing the same game as each other from the off instead of doing things behind each other's backs and what have you. Is it colour? Nobody knows. Mm. I would have thought if BBC America are in, they'll want it for broadcast and they'll want it in colour because why wouldn't you? Mm. I mean, presumably that's why they wanted Power of the Daleks in colour in the first place. Ironically, ironically, it will only be the ones that don't exist in their entirety that they would then... Colorize, yeah. So Williams, Williams, based if they do animate extra episodes, I'm probably being. I'd, I'd like somebody who knows how this works as to why they wouldn't make it in color in the first place and then just reduce it to grayscale. Well, they would, but they didn't do it with Power of the Daleks because BBC America weren't involved in the early stages of the process, and BBC Studios. Okay. And to my mind, <clears throat> this is small-minded thinking. BBC Studios. Wanted to do it in black and white because that's how it was in the first place. And anybody, in my opinion, with any imagination in that business would have said, well, hang on, why don't we just do it in colour and then grayscale it afterwards? And even if we don't want to put the colour version out, it'll be there Mm. for potential broadcast. Because most broadcasters are going to be far more interested in broadcasting something in colour. And as soon as you broadcast it, that is a shed load more money then you're going to make off just a DVD stroke Blu-ray release, right? Mm, mm. So as soon as BBC America come in and offer to broadcast, you've basically doubled your budget. Mm. And if you've doubled your budget on a four-episode animation 
over the six-episode animation of Power of the Daleks, you've essentially trebled your budget. So, hopefully... Because, I mean, as much as we may or may not have liked Power of the Daleks and Sharda, hopefully this one will iron out any of the problems people have had with those. I think Macroterra would be much more broadcastable. Mm. Just purely its length. Yes. I'd be prepared to sit down for a, an hour and a half or whatever... And it's got kind of a 60s prisoner type vibe, yeah. which is kind of one of those perennially perennially popular things anyway. Mm. So it kind of fits in with that. The wheel in space is an entirely different thing. I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, that the wheel in space is not going to be an animation like the others. So whether that means... Do you know that wheel in space already exists on Brickbox on the other side of the Atlantic? No. Right, Brickbox is basically a sort of pay version of iPlayer in North America, Canada and United States that um, has all British channels on it. So ITV and Channel 4 as well as the BBC, I believe. Um, so any programmes that go on the Brickbox service in America, all these, and they sort of paid in um, a subscription service type deal. Okay. Brickbox put, um, I don't know if it's all, but most, I think it's all but the Dalek stories, and most of the Dalek stories went up last month, unless I'm misremembering story details. They wanted to put out extra things because of how well Power of the Daleks did. So they were looking for something else to put up. Wheel in Space being a Cyberman story, they said, what can we do with this? And in the end, the four missing episodes, they did a... I believe very simple um, recon. Sort puppets? No, recon. Okay. Uh, But a slideshow recon rather than an animated recon. So the wheel in space for about the last year has been on Britbox with two extant (laughs) episodes and four which are just a slideshow recon. I don't think that that would come out as it stands on Blu-ray and DVD because you're asking members of the general public to put their hand in their pockets to the tune of 20, 25 quid or whatever to pay for a slideshow. But... Especially, and just as other episodes are being animated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't buy Wheel in Space as a slideshow in the <clears> same <throat> year that Macro Terror is being released animated because yeah. I'm thinking, well, it'll, they'll cut round to it eventually. Mm, that's probably the hope but I do wonder because the the mirror or whoever it was said both of these stories at the same time I wonder if BBC Studios worldwide as was and BBC America and maybe Britbox have some say in this because they obviously pay to put these things on their service I'm just wondering if they've asked studios to accelerate the releases and studios have said Okay, we can only do one animation. We only have time for one animation. But this recon already exists. Maybe we can just buff up the recon in some way. So maybe it'll be a slightly more animated recon. Something that. I don't know much about animation, but I know that Wheel in Space is pretty much, what, two sets? Yeah, yeah. And they move between them back and forth. Would that make the animation much easier? (laughs) How many would they need to. They'd need to animate two, would they? Well, four, four. Two exist and four are missing. But four oh, episodes, but with very similar, very similar locations. Yeah. So presumably the background of the animation would be identical. Yeah, yeah. 
That's how that's and how very um, few characters. Formation they used to do the He Man cartoon. Yeah, managed to chuck out so many cartoons quickly because they reused so many cells. Yeah. So I mean, obviously they're using computer so graphics, terms, but so yeah, they're using models. To... Mm. But even easier if you could model three D versions of the sets and then put in not animations but just characters from the telesnaps hmm. from photographs and you and you wouldn't animate them like have them walking around and stuff <laughs> yeah and have their mouths moving like that but have you ever seen the um the bbc i Sharda? yeah so basically that's still frames with zooms and characters will move across the frame and Isn't that like flash animation yeah, but it was only a very, very simple version of it. It's not animated in any traditional sense of the word. It's basically a load of still pictures where all the elements are separate elements and they move the elements yeah. around to give the impression that something's moving yeah. when actually it's just a load of still frames. I, If you'd have asked me what I thought Wheel in Space was going to be, I would suspect that maybe they've modelled the sets and stuck the characters in from the telesnaps in a very simple flash style way like the Sharda. I think it's going to take more than that to get me to buy it. Oh, well, yeah. Because, yeah, because the wheel and space I'd rather I have heard good things about anyway. I'd rather have a bog standard recon. But I, think part of, yeah, but I think part of the reason they're doing it, and mm. maybe it will be the bog standard recon, but I just can't see it. And part of the reason they're doing it is because there are a lot of complaints that America and Canada had this recon of wheel in space and the UK didn't. So I I think possibly the reason just, why the choice is just to answer those just, criticisms. Just animate the one episode of Web of Fear. Well, because they're hoping to get it back, aren't they? Oh, I, think so. I mean, they're still hoping to get that back. So. Have you ever have you ever had a cardboard cutout? You just cut the mouth away and put a little straw behind it, move it up. Captain Hogwash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what Simon, I'm going to say here now, if BBC Worldwide are listening or America, well, past, we'll, we'll do a version of that. And it, BBC we only Worldwide cost about, do not listen to we, this podcast. We're, we're, only, we're only charged, what, £150 Bra- each? Brawling's Animation Limited. A Cup, couple of pies. What, what, cutting mouths out? I'm not using plastic straws. No, you're right. We've got to use, yeah. We'll be we'll be economical and also environmentally friendly. Yeah. We um, use lolly sticks. Lee, do you not think people haven't been doing this for years? YouTube is so- filled with Doctor Who animations of this What's type. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So if they're showing the first episode, <laughs> missing believed white event in December, which is I don't know the date, but it's around about the tenth, I guess. I would imagine then that the discs perhaps be released around about the same time. It's not like the BBC to release things in December because it's a, you know, it's a bit of a nightmare for things disappearing in the Christmas rush. But mm. they did it with Power of the Daleks. When did Power of the Daleks come out? Was that in December? It was near as damn it, if I remember rightly. It was yeah. It was enough for it to be a Christmas. Because I think the Blu-ray, the colour, if you wanted the Blu-ray on the colour, you had to wait till Boxing Day, but I think the DVD was out two weeks earlier, Mm. so that would have been mid-December, right? Mm. So it's not like there's no precedent on it. So I don't know, it looks to me like Macroterra is probably going to be out in December, like a week or so. I definitely want to make a visual joke on a podcast about Macro making the fans, so they're all giving it all that. Visual joke. 
I'm making it doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't even work for the people of us who are saying it. (laughs) 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 Best crab impression I've ever seen on radio. Yeah, brilliant. Shall we talk about tonight's Doctor Who? Which is obviously. Do we have to? (laughs) I can't even remember what it's called. What's the title? The Saranga Conundrum. Is that right? Okay. Okay. Let's go around the table and do nutshell one sentence or. A couple more. Simon. Um, some nice bits held together in a pretty standard frame. Okay. Oh, that's very well. Did you like it? I did. I, 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 I did. Have you seen it twice? or just I've once? seen it twice. Oh, okay. It's the first one I've watched twice that didn't improve on second viewing. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, fair enough. Okay, then, Matt. I really liked it. Did you? Yeah, I preferred it to last week's. Okay. Um, a few a few bits that I got stuck on, mm. but but they're the same bits that I got stuck on that I got stuck on every last week, week and the week before and the week before. And but week there before. was enough in it, enough good bits in it to to make me think it was really charming. Lee, uh, early eighties Doctor Who cartoon strip meets Star Trek. Uh, did I enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, no. I really don't know. I'm quite confused how I feel about this. Yeah, I, was, I, was non, I found some beautiful bits in it, but I was pretty nonplussed at most of it. Yeah, there were some lovely bits. Yeah. Yeah. Really lovely bits. Yeah, but yeah, I was not at any point bored, which no. I feared was going to happen because it was pretty obvious pretty quickly that this is a cheap do it all in the studio to afford all those foreign location bits episodes. Right. And once you saw They could have the... saved the fortune on the TARDIS set, couldn't they, if they'd done it like that, then, if this was the cheap episode? They did two. They had two TARDIS sets there. There was one with the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. So I thought that. They they were basically had the the alternative versions that they abandoned, that they shouldn't have abandoned <laughs> for the TARDIS set. That antimatter drive was clearly, clearly yes. a central time rotor. And much better than the one they, the one they chose. <laughs> they slotted that in. And like the white, yeah. And the white thing hanging from the ceiling yeah. in that room was just lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah. And, uh, you'll have to remind me, the white thing hanging from the ceiling in that room. The central con- the central control chamber. Oh, which yes, Which very yes. TARDIS, like, yeah. with a, yeah, with a yeah. console in the middle of it. Yeah, well, really if this right had now. been while well, Stephen Moffat, people would have seen that. Uh, it's a silence. <laughs> well, they'd have seen that on a trailer or something, and they've said, "Oh, there's new TARDIS in this one." Because you remember the silent ship that turned up in mm. Lodger? Mm. Oh, that's a TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's reasonably round is just a TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't bored, and yeah, like you guys, there were bits like some of the conversations with Ryan. Ryan is just great. Mm. Yeah, Ryan's great. Mm. And some of the bits with Bradley Walsh. And I thought, yeah, it's had a couple of nice bits this week. Mm-hmm. But again, it was what dragged it down was just the sheer amount of exposition. Mm. And um, yeah, again, well, I was starting to tire. I was starting to tire of it. And then, and again, and I'm afraid to say it again, but the director's not really doing anything to disguise it. I don't know. Moments of interesting. The were directorial choices, yeah, lots but they weren't all the way through. Yeah, yeah, and the weird bit where she's unconscious, the doctor's unconscious, and it has that kind of yeah. Ben Wheatley like. Well, I quite like that, but yeah, yeah, there I was no know. point to it. I thought it was going to 
it becomes something else within the episode. Mm. Like she she goes blind or she can't do something. You no, know, she just had indigestion. Just had indigestion. indigestion and she ran which was a bit of a shame, really. In, in a way, it would have been quite good for her to be quite disabled in that episode and get everybody else to do it around her. Maybe there's a know. lot of this going on this year, where there's things in the episodes that we're sort of programmed to think are going to lead yeah, to like something. Acid water. Yeah, yeah, and there was another one in this episode, and what was it? I can't remember. But there was there's something else in this episode where I thought to- any other the sh- fact that the, the creature was toxic. I thought that would have turned out to be a bit more of a, it, we'll yeah. just wrap it up in a blanket and kick and, it. And, and, and with that, why did they mention that the clone guy, the android, mm. would be, it wouldn't affect him? And would almost, so he, it almost, they gave her a blanket. So it almost like it yeah. was setting, yeah. setting it up as an Agatha Christie whodunit, where one of the human characters would have turned out to be the villain. And the twist is, they weren't doing, they weren't doing that. Yeah. But, but you, but, because, but you thought that they were so used to that. Yeah. So, mm. so you thought there was going to be an extra yeah. dimension. And she actually says Poirot at one point. And yeah. I was yeah. thinking the same Poirot. thing. Or maybe someone's let this thing on board for a reason. Yeah, and if you've watched Alien, you'd yeah. think you'd look at the the android, and the yeah. android is probably the weakest, the weakest bit for me <gasps> because he. he started... I thought he was potentially a brilliant companion. I, I thought he was great. No, no I he thought didn't he was great, to... but he didn't really do underused. He didn't know how to perform. As an android, he was performing. He was oh, doing yeah. robot moves to start with. Then he forgot about the robot moves during the episode, and then did a bit of robot moves towards oh, I didn't the end. Get that at all? I, I just I thought he was he just, just a bit strange, which is brilliant. Well, that that's not a bad thing. Mm. I thought, but I thought the performance. I don't know, I, so for me, the performance was off, and the fact that he didn't, they didn't do anything with him. Mm. He certainly wasn't the strongest part of the episode, and it, he a lot of it was sort of sci-fi cliches wasn't it the brother and the sister where she's the pilot and he's the engineer and then at the end of it when she collapses he has to take over and and prove himself looked like it was some kind of link with her but then hmm. this is this year's Doctor Who in a nutshell isn't it they've stripped back actually I said it at the start didn't I I said they were going to strip away everything you knew about Doctor Who and go right back to basics Mm. And this really is right back to basics. But with the added kind of emotional, um, you know, uh, layer of, of people having babies, you know, tw- twisting kind of like, or echoing what's going on around us, obviously, in the modern day, and then just throwing it into a, 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 an episode of science fiction and trying to make a comment on it. But, you know, but, like the man having a baby and all this But I think they're missing. They're missing, they're missing something. something. Because there's, it's, it's there's not missing a mojo. It is. It really is missing mojo. It's it. It feels like they go into these adventures, and the Doctor's almost like a host on one of these immersive things. You know, like the alien thing they used yeah. they used to run in London. Yeah. You know, where you go into these these. Um, what do they call them? The like a cosplay yeah. thing where you walk in and yeah, escape yeah. rooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you get all people dressed yeah. up as the characters, and you walk in, you take part in yeah, it, so that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's almost like the the Doctor's a host in that because she's the one telling you, "Oh, this is going to be really dangerous," and it's all like that. Yeah. And then the, the companions are kind of like, there's they're no... They're quite passive. Well, so, they're quite for, passive. For yeah, there's no peril to the point where, me, uh, where the Doctor goes off to have think for seven minutes, they go off and have a quiet chat. For me, yeah, for me yeah. what seems to be happening in a lot of these episodes is it's not, it's not these stories with a Doctor Who edge to them. It's Doctor Who as a way of observing, observing these stories. So the Doctor and her companions become basically... Almost not participants. They're Side just stuff. sort of, they're just sort of witnesses for these well, the things that are happening. Being companions certainly, yeah. Yeah, 
And, and I know the doctor's doing things, but she doesn't. She kind of runs around observing things, telling us things. I appreciate all of that. Doing things, but the big question is: Is it enjoyable? And, and those things in isolation are enjoyable, but as a whole, I don't. I just don't know if all the cogs are working. They are kind of interlinking. No, I can't no, think so about no. the Arkham Space when this is on. I don't know why, but anyway, well, there's, there's, well, there's, yeah. there's quite a lot of the Arkham Space. In <laughs> well, yeah, all right, maybe, maybe that. But the thing is about the exposition, about the world building. I mean, I love people building worlds, and it's it's great fun. But in fifty minutes, you don't you don't need to build a world as as much as it they have. Like there was here. a lot in it. It's, there's some, you know, if this was going to be expanded into a series mm. in that in that sixty third century, if those people were characters and it was a spin-off you've got a ready-made world sorted out it's brilliant actually but it's almost too much with the arkham space we all we had a kind of world that was built but it was literally sorted out in about four sentences <laughs> there are ways four sentences by tom baker and then the rest of it was all peril and enjoyment of the action and some and of it's the well. delivery of it because yeah. some of the delivery of it in this made it sound like they were just saying the words because the words were there to be said rather than because they'd actually experienced the thing that they were talking about. Mm. So it did, because you've got to, you've got, if you're building a world just through dialogue, you've got to believe in the dialogue to build yeah. the world. Yeah. And there were a few instances and instances in this one where it literally was just, and it, you know, it wasn't that it was poorly performed, but it wasn't performed with the pizzazz that that's makes you believe in the performance. Well. No, I, th- I think the moments. So I don't think there were too many moments because I think you can get around, can get a, can get away with with having that because that's what Stephen Moffat did. He just threw world creation constantly at the screen. Mm. I think these world creation moments were compartmentalized in the episode in the wrong places, and I think mm. that's a lot about lots of these things. So I liked Ryan's conversation about his dad but you're onto a loser if a piece of dialogue ends with a character saying I don't know why I was talking about that because that's kind of excusing that dialogue in a, in a way that you've made obvious that you're excusing it but I, I couldn't see why he was talking about that in the middle of a crisis moment I didn't no, think that, that was, the, that was, that was really wrong I like the dialogue that. and I like the fact yeah, that they're expanding yeah. his character yeah dialogue but, but it was in the wrong place. And in fact, the, the doctor, when she comes across the, um, the you know, CERN, what, what, what is Oh, yeah, that? and we got, we got the, the atomic, we got a science lesson about, about we got, we got a science lesson about it, right? It was a bit sciencey, but there were moments of her when she was talking about, um, you know, the beauty of the universe or imagination and things like that. It was re- that was really well written. That, that completely clicked with that. I thought mm. it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it kind of worked. There were some moments like that. And then there's another minute where you go into a corridor and the music's gone boom, 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 and it's actually not in sync or in, in keeping with what we're looking at again. Very a bit John Carpenter, where, wasn't it, the music this week? There's a bit mm. where the guy's talking about whether he's going to keep the baby or not, and the music seems to be trying yeah. to tell us that there was an alien about to attack at yes, any minute. exactly. And yeah. It was, yeah, I didn't like the music again this week. Right. So I, I think I, I think it's great. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like the CERN conversation because I thought that was another bit of it was because it felt, it's starting to feel like every episode has 
a moment where the doctor talks about something moral or yeah. one of the characters which in this in this case it's keeping the baby yeah. the doctor talks about some sort of science which last week was about spiders and this week was about CERN I don't mind I, I like the idea that science is coming out in Doctor Who again and people might learn and go and read it but we both looked at each other when she started that conversation and kind of laughed didn't we I mean but I, well, you look at my direction yeah. and I was kind of like going, oh no you know, it's a bit of a drop but, I think, but by the end of that conversation I think she started to come up with some really great things and the acting was there but you're right the first part of that conversation was a bit of a but I think kids, kids, are, kids are really smart and they'll pick up on when they're being I think you have to sort of like sweeten these conversations with humour yeah. so watching the doctor yes. go dewy eyed about a particle accelerator with no sort of no kind of humour in it mm. no I thought I, the dewy eyedness made up for the lack of humour because it was because what you're saying is in order to do a big info dump you need another factor in there that mitigates it and I thought the dewy eyedness was the factor that mitigated it what did, rather what, than what was the line that she used that I I literally love and I love it no I I, I love the concept it. and I love it actually yeah I don't know that's not exactly what she said but it was the <laughs> yeah. word actually wasn't another it? lovely Jody moment was the moment where she she got back into the room to say oh it's a volume not a chapter. Yeah, I like that. that. So I like that. Just goes to show what she can do with it. But I hate this because I catch myself thinking, "God, she'd be brilliant with some better lines." And that's what people used to say about what Stephen Moffat was doing, (laughs) which we all know was annoying. (laughs) Rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, rubbish. And I hate saying the same thing, but I do feel that sometimes the material she's been given isn't kind of pressing. Hopefully. Now they've but seen her in action, they may. But then you're talking about a line where you're thinking the line is up to snuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm so it's just a case of. That's... But it's a case. So it's, but you can't have every line like that. So no. it's a case of navigating between the various levels yes. of whether she's being fun well, or. Well, no, I, th- I suppose what I'm saying is that it's relieving me of any doubts I had of her in a role as the doctor. I think she's good, but I just don't think at the moment. And I think I think she was better this week than yeah. certainly she had yeah. been in like yeah. episode two. But I don't think she's quite navigating the different. It's like you said the word compartments earlier. Me, yeah. It's like the Doctor's personality at the moment is made of compartments, and she's not navigating between the compartments. Whereas actually, if 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 she was really confident and really comfortable in it. Then the expositionary dialogue, she'd give uh, a wink to the audience while she's doing that. Mm. And then the funny dialogue, she'd do really straight Mm. so that the performance brings them all in to make a rounded hole. And at the moment, it's like there's lots of different bits, but the glue that sticks Mm. those bits together isn't quite there. I think it's the script because I think these different bits are, like I said, compartmentalised. So if you're looking at a... If you're looking at, say, I don't, it's difficult to compare it with Stephen Moffat, but if you're looking at a Stephen Moffat script, his exposition, his love of science, his world building, they all happen simultaneously. So his characters could move from one thing to another in the same scene. With these scenes, there seems to be, so Mm. there's the certain bit, this is the scene where she talks about science. Mm. There's the companion character building bit, this is where we build the companion. There's the doctor, the doctor bit, where she makes a joke, really funny, self-deprecating joke about volumes. But that's, that's in that bit. And so, she does so that more sort of... than you think, though. I think if you rewatch this, you'll find there's more of that than you think. The self-deprecating. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but still, but it's still there's still what it's doing. 
I think what it's doing is, yes, Stephen Moffat mixed it all together. And I think maybe that's what some people found off-putting because think, they couldn't follow it. But I think objectively, and subjectively I'm a bit unsettled by that, but objectively blending it all together is, I think, better writing. Because you're not, you're not noticing the structure of the piece then. I was going to say, it feels together. like uh, with some of Moffat's and RTD stuff was so uh, you know, covered over, polyfilled with lots of other stuff, he didn't quite notice what was going on underneath sometimes, and that's, apart that... from us, of course. But with this week's episode, it did feel pretty uh, naked. And I could see all of the, you know, well, I, if, I could probably look at this and learn how to write well, if, a if, science fiction if when she episode. If when she approaches <laughs> the antimatter drive, when she approaches the antimatter drive, I thought, this is the moment, this is the sciencey moment. And if yeah. I'm thinking this is the sciencey moment, it means I'm expecting a sciencey moment at some point in the story. And I'm kind of anticipating what the sciencey moment's going to be like. And I think that means that the writing hasn't worked, not just for me, but I've identified a flaw in the mechanics of the writing because I can see I can see something being slotted in by the writer. The writer becomes visible. It's actually interesting what JL pointed out with the music, though, the, the fact that you know there was a point where there was like, what would have been an emotional moment with the, the bloke and talking about his baby, and then the music in the background was still Pulsa- trying to... Pulsating. Still trying to do the, the tension thing. So in the, in the composer's head, he's like, well, I'm thinking this is a really tense episode, so I've got to keep that tension up. Hmm. But if I suddenly stick this emotional piece of music in behind that's going to back this up, then all of a sudden I've got to get back to the tension again. So be interesting, maybe see, be interesting to see what his choices, why he made these choices with the music, mm. whether or not he created pieces and they and somebody else slotted it in, as opposed to him sitting there watching. They it. could have turned around yeah, and say, "Oh no, we, like we need some more tension." Yeah, yeah I was but, quite tense in that scene until they talked about cutting open the stomach because the alternative. Yeah, <laughs> well, this was earlier. Where was than this? That was, but that was an obvious joke that they didn't make, which might have been one step too far. Where they go, you're going to cut his stomach where was it, open. Where was it supposed well, to come the, out? From? What's the alternative? And why have they waited that long? If that's how they always come out, because they haven't got nerve endings on their stomachs, then why? Yeah, there's an there's an evolutionary flaw to mm. anything. Uh, but, 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 that was a part of the world building we didn't get to hear about. That's true. Well, it's the same evolutionary flaw that the Ood were built on. Yeah. So and you know they were popular enough. It's one of those Doctor Who what is this, shove it under the carpet things, right? It, yeah, because think, they're aliens. So for all yeah, we know, yeah, yeah. they they they've got somewhere where the men can give birth just as well as women. Yeah. Can, Who's right? to say they're a breed that was was born from genetic engineering? Having said all stuff. that. I really like this. <laughs> I really like this episode. <laughs> this is one of my yeah. favourite ones so far this season. Well, what was it about yeah. that you liked? I like the fact I, I like the fact it was contained. So last week's last week's felt like they wanted to create a claustrophobic episode with spiders, mm. and then they kind of moved over the city and until they remembered they wanted to be claustrophobic and just set it in the in the hotel. This week really did feel like. It was confined, even though it was probably economically, for economic reasons. I felt that worked. You know in what? Its You're favor. absolutely right. I never thought about it like that. Last week's episode would have been better. You had a whole mansion. Yeah. You could have had the mansion completely covered in cobwebs, loads of guests, lots of people in well, peril, and it's all in one place. Again, to compare, it, compare it with a Stephen Moffat That'd form, which is unfortunate. But last week's could have had the tension of the God complex, but with spiders. But a better Without comparison the quirkiness of the yeah, complex, would be Russell T Davis because last week's was Aliens of London, where mm. you go home and meet mm. the families. Yeah. So maybe if there's a um, 
something wrong with last week's is that they told the wrong story. Although with Aliens of London, it was the same story because the second half of Aliens of London, yeah. World War Three, mm. was all in yeah. trapped in Downing Street. Yeah, but I hated Aliens of London and the the, the World War Three. Ah, so, I love that. Um, I love that. I love the monster in this. I thought he was really, really well done. I'll never watch Lilo and Stitch in the same way again. But the animation, the actual CGI, I yeah, was yeah, quite, yeah. I was quite. The only thing I didn't that. like about it was him eating because he was putting things that were bigger than his mouth in his mouth. I they weren't showing how. Fully that was expected him at the end to swallow the thing. It'd be a and he just burps. So I'm glad they they dodged that one. I, think I, can't, was, I, can't I thought it was lovely when they did you know, that. Like, yeah, I was waiting for that. You looked like he was in absolute ecstasy. It was quite hilarious. Wasn't it was, it? yeah. It was absolutely. Yeah. Bliss. I think that was um, just a slight mistake because the sense I was getting from that was if we feed him this thing, he'll be so sated he won't want to eat anything else. And indeed, there was a line of dialogue yeah. to say that, yeah. but they just showed bliss on his face. Whereas I thought the way to show that would have been to show him uncomfortable with wind yeah. right yeah. so he's got a satisfied even being, being projected outside, outside yeah. 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 Just out of his face. Yeah. but he should have he should have had a look of indigestion on his face <laughs> really it was stitch know. crossed with galactus wasn't it yeah because the idea now is he's sated for a good amount of time so actually it's yeah. a way of the doctor but I, I, I did, so, did so ever, i like the resolution did you ever remember reading about meep Beep the meep. Yeah. Beep the meep. Yeah. I thought it was going to be beep the meep. Literally. I thought it was going to turn and go, hey! <laughs> hey, and put so, on his yeah. big cute eyes. I liked him. I liked that. I, I really I li- liked and I liked the res- And I liked the resolution. And mm. I liked the fact that that this is what I've been wanting this series to do, is work logically from the start of the story to the end of the story. Because that is, I do want it to be different from Stephen Moffat, but I want it to be written as well as Stephen Moffat. Mm. And... And I liked the fact that it was structured in such a way that it just told a linear story. And and they made connections with it. And it set a problem, and then it resolved the problem, yeah. which is, you know, what the title was talking about. And what, it, it, well, in the sense of the word that people use for these things, it was a procedural. You arrive, you discover an issue, you find out all the various factors that go towards making the issue. Did Chris Chibnall write any Holby City or anything like that? What's this, no. quiz, what's this casualty? Because it did feel yeah. like a medical drama at the start. Obviously, for obvious reasons, but it, it felt that way. Mm. Which worked, I thought. Are all these episodes written by Chris Chibnall? Here's a really interesting thing, then, which has now become a fact as of this week. <clears throat> Chris Chibnall has solo written five, and five are a guest writer in Chris Chibnall. Yeah. So he's getting so, a load of his out of the way first, isn't he? Well, yeah. Russell T. Davis did the same thing. And actually, Stephen Moffat did. The first five episodes of Stephen Moffat okay. were four Moffats and one guest. Oh, OK. Yeah. So it's not unusual. But the, the really interesting thing is, because these are all one-episode stories, that means that, and assuming that we continue the same rotation, Sheffield, future, past, Sheffield, future, past, Sheffield, future, past, Sheffield... That means that of the four Sheffield episodes, three will be Chibnall and one will be guest. Of the three future episodes, two will be Chibnall and one will be guest. And of the three historic episodes, all will be guest. Chris Chibnall will not have written an historical episode. I can't blame him because I steer clear of those as well. Yeah, but I just think that's an interesting thing that's come up. It seems that it's starting to sound from the preview for next week like... 
certainly the two historical episodes we've had early on this season are going to be kind of personal yeah. to the writer. Yes, I think absolutely. it also allows the writer to do their homework, don't they? If they're focusing on one episode to get the history yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Or you thing. get the right... The correct writers, yes, yeah. who have uh, already have an which is a brilliant that home, right? which is a brilliant thing. Yeah, mm. yes, it is. Yeah. So the spoilers: James, the first one later in the season, will also be a guest. Therefore, presumably, one of the ones who maybe is predisposed already to have an interest in that. I don't know why I have it in my head the guy who um, wrote all the Australian stuff, the prison drama, and that, whose name escapes me for the moment, but. I don't know why that name seems to be pointing at that episode in my head. Well, we've also we still we have got a writers' room as well, so it's not just and they're uncredited, so they're they're kind of like enhanced script editors, yeah, who help Chibnall write his own episodes. Well, do you think that's why these are feeling disjointed? Yeah. Because maybe the compartment, compartment lent. Oh God! It's, it's, it's feeling, Thank you very much. It's feeling it's less like it's feeling less like an altered text and more like American dramas, but not American dramas like The West Wing or The no. X Files, where where a particular writer has. They're more Doctor Who, mm. but more like a sort of American Law and Order, or I don't know. <clears throat> These American sort of routine shows, yeah, procedurals, yeah, yeah, where you get you navigate from A to B to C to D to E, and every week, same things, but you just, the way you shake it up is just by trying to keep it fresh elements, but always in the same spots in the same situations, mm. Mm. and it does, yay, it does, <laughs> yeah, it does feel oh, a bit like that, but it's. I, but it's not quite as bad as that because it's still Doctor Who and each week it's a different type of problem. Mm. Whereas in the CSIs and the Law and Orders, every week it's essentially the same type of problem. Yeah. What we're getting now is a different type of problem each week, yeah. which helps to ameliorate the fact that they're doing that procedural And thing. you've still got the guest-written ones, which I'm hoping are going to be slightly different because Rosa was... Mm-hmm. Rosa stands out as being a different episode. I still don't think it was entirely successful, but it I don't stands think it out does, as being a different. To be honest, they arrive, they find a problem, they learn about what the problem is, and they learn about the things that make up the problem. Will then then help them to resolve the problem well, and they resolve it. That's but drama. What I, but what I also like about it's fairly standard dramatic. But, but there's a shape of it that's very Doctor Who. And it was the same shape last in Rosa as it was in this, I thought. It was just the location. I think what I quite like about Rosa, it's a very simple thing, is that there are more small characters about. So it means means it's more uh, full. Whereas the second episode and the spider one and this one, uh, you've got a very small cast. And I know it's for budgeting. the spider one had a slightly bigger cast, but a lot of those were the family and they weren't involved in the plot. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was a little bit expansive. Rosa was, is it called City on the Edge of Forever? The award-winning Star Trek, Star Trek yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. It's Doctor Who does that. Yeah. Mm. My, pro- my problem is I didn't think it was that. I thought it was Doctor Who does Dallas. one of the more routine Quantum Leap episodes. Yeah, but the one and you're talking becomes, about. And Quantum Leap is... Is City on the great, edge of forever great, every week. but it's exactly this every week is a sort of a well, a and yeah, but that you can predict 
and it doesn't feel like it's been altered apart yeah, but, from the special episodes. Which but when Doctor Who does that, it is going to be that, and Doctor Who doesn't usually do that. Mm. So you know, Doctor, if Doctor Who's going to do that one time, then people who know Quantum Leap and what have you, Star Trek, said at the edge of forever, will say, "Okay, I recognise this." But for everybody else, it's a new story. Mm. But it still followed the same beats that we've had, not in the second week, but in the first, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And it was also great in as much as it felt like there was a the fact that they were visiting history, that the, their their presence there, they kind of tried to behave like tourists. And I don't think that's ever happened before. They, you know, they don't think. I know it's been said before, you mustn't change history and all this sort of thing, but they didn't really. Not since the Hartnell era, and I know this is supposed to kind of emulate that, but well, they didn't even really in the Hartnell era. In the Hartnell era, it was all about uh, they land, they want to get the hell out of there, but one of them gets locked up before they can, mm. and they've got to get that. <laughs> That's really the story of the Hartnell historicals. Mm. Mm. But it did, yeah, it felt like the magic bus. <laughs> right back to this then. Yes. Anything else? Because I mean, I there thought... wasn't a lot going on. It's funny because I thought. I thought it felt at times, and you were talking about it being like an escape room, mm. or I felt it was like one of those Doctor Who computer games that you got, or the Doctor Who online games, where you go from one one thing to another and have to solve tasks. A bit like 42, the it episode. Was, I thought of 42, so actually, because I was thinking it's got that. bits of 42. Yeah. Well, the escape pods. Well, no, no. Jeopardy, Jeopardy, solve, solve, solve. And I, there was some nice little devices, like the whole three strikes and you're out thing from yeah. the, from uh, the yeah, yeah. I mean, recess. Yeah, I didn't mind those sorts of things. No, I quite I like that. Quite because yeah. it gave a countdown. And I but, liked, I liked the but, character. But what didn't help was the countdown. The tension of the countdown kept being undermined by these little pocket scenes. Yes, <laughs> it made the tension just completely dissipated. Yeah. It was like. I thought the last 15 minutes was good and I thought the first five minutes was alright mm. but there was like 30 minutes between the first five and the last sort of 15 where it just felt like it was treading water to get to the last 15 because it knew it couldn't do the last 15 till it was there mm. and so say with an alien you keep the alien out of the film until the halfway point of the film by having this big investigation into something else that essentially, in narrative terms, turns out to be a red herring. Mm. That whole thing with the alien down on the planet's surface is essentially mm. a red herring mm. in narrative terms. But this essentially went straight from you know the opening titles to the halfway point of Alien, which then left you with a whole lot of plot to get through. Or at no, it left you with a whole lot of colour to colour in without that first hour of Alien, which are, which introduced all the elements that you're going to colour in, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. So you're kind, of, you're kind of thrown into the middle of a narrative with all these characters that you don't care about. So the colouring in bits become kind of... Funny, going back to that, that, that first guy who was introduced, who was spending all the time with the Doctor, I really liked. Mm. Mm. And I thought it was a really good move to kill him out. To kill him like that. Yeah. Because I was lit the first time I watched it, I was really quite shocked at that. It's like, oh, oh sugar, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Which built up this built the tension. We said, Oh god, anything could happen now, you know, who's yeah. gonna be next? And that, and mm. then it kind of it my, went. My it went problem limp. is I'm still pre programmed for Stephen Moffat. So 
watching <laughs> watching them get caught up in a hospital ship going away from the TARDIS, all I could think of is, well, we watched The Girl Who Waited mm. like last year or earlier this year. Mm. That's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, yeah. And, and But it's that's like TV, television and, on a slightly you know different what? The opening level. of this episode on, on the Trash Planet yeah. was flipping brilliant. That was amazing, that shot, where it poured a pan yeah. back. I thought, how did they do that? Did they superimpose the people in place? I, don't know. I thought it, it was great. Really I good. thought it was a bit dodgy. I oh, thought really? the CGI was a bit, yeah. Yeah. I okay. thought it looked a bit like sort of but flash maybe animation. I was, but maybe I was swept away with the, with the yeah, thing. I like the visit, yeah, I liked the Yeah. And I liked it. I liked the I shots the of fa- the spaceship and I liked the shots of the planet. And the fact that Graham was swinging around his, yeah. his metal detector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. That's good. That's yeah. great. It promised so much. But, anyway, but I th- yeah. I'm, I'm a bit confused about this sort of sonic grenade thing, whatever it was, the sonic disruptor, mm. because they discover it and she says, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, and she's sonic in it, mm. um, and the, there's a countdown, but they're all just standing still again. Not one of them in the background's going, oh, my God, flipping egg They didn't get bomb. time to react, though. No, so they had it. enough time to react. She was saying this is dangerous, this is a bomb. So they could have <coughs> attempted to Which run away. Which probably adds to this whole feeling that, it, that none of them are reacting to the situation. Yeah, but if they all ran away... Yeah. If they all ran but away... But it was a rabbit in the headlights, and then suddenly though, it's like, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I know, but... It's but the other thing, my fan head didn't like the fact that why was why did the doctor come out of it worse than the humans? Yeah, that's. I know she was right well, on top of the bomb. She's got, but more, she's got, she's got, got more interrogated in it. Yeah, yeah. I quite liked that. Okay, they, so, so it kind of makes sense, yeah. but it doesn't feel like it's right, does no, it? No. And that's probably the problem. And also unless you've got a, and that's one where they didn't have a line of dialogue saying, "Well, I've got more complicated," and it's so they. She talks about having an octo spleen. Yeah, which. But they need to spleen, wasn't Ecto, it? Okay. Yeah, Ecto yeah. spleen. Ecto means outside, doesn't it? Maybe she's like maybe she's got like an ecto spleen outside her actual spleen. Okay, okay. Like a little spleen on top of a spleen. Yeah, a bit like oh, a top spleen. But ex- got eight spleens. But you thinking of exo anyway, aren't you? For outside, what's ecto then? Ecto ectoplasm. What does that mean? <laughs> Leo knows. He knows all about that. Amorphous. It's like squidgy. Well, it's ectopic, e- an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, yes, it's is, outside. Is it outside the something or other. Oh, outside, outside the, the womb. womb. Mm. Yeah. So ectospleen would be outside the spleen. Yeah, ectoplasm is or gooey stuff outside that's of the body. Right. I don't know. Mm. Yes, that's right. It, yeah. yeah, stuff that comes out of the mouth. Well, we've done our little science bit. But I did, I did like it. I thought... I thought, okay, if they're not going to do, if they're not going to do Stephen Moffat style things anymore, well, I, then yeah. and this is this is the sort of that sort of procedural, even though, even though it's not for me, but that sort of procedural thing, that kind of putting drama together by nuts and bolts, is really popular with people. That's what people like to watch when Seems they watch disposable be. television, mm. and that's fine. I was going to make the this when Doctor you... Who has disposable television. I my overall view now is, and I hope it's not going to continue to be true, is I've found something to like in every episode this series. But it's like one of these, these they have these dating programs on Channel Four, don't they? Where they sit the couple who've never met before, they have a meal together, and at the end they interview them and say, "So you're going to see each other again?" And then one goes, "Yeah, I'd really like to see you again." And then the other one goes, "Well, I'd see you again as a friend." Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the friend zone with this series. Yeah, but and I like it, but I've not found anything to I think really I'm with love. You on that. Yeah, no, true. So very far, true. So far, 
But I think we were always going to struggle because we've liked the last sort of eight years. Yeah. But I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. My brain. But I think it's fine. It's fine to think that because we we're allowed to be subjective. It's a very different thing. Mm. And see, from my perspective, I really enjoyed Russell T Davis while it was on. Mm. But then Stephen Moffat came along, and I was like, oh. Well, that's what it could have been. Yeah, yeah. But then, so now you go back to something like Chris Chibnall, yeah. and I think this is a lot closer to Russell T. Davis in many respects. Yeah. And I don't think it has the vivacity mm. of Russell T. Davis, but I don't think it's a million miles away from where the Russell T. Davis stories were. Mm. Mm. But now, because we've had those eight years of Moffat, we've kind of been shown, well, this is what you could have had. This is like the Graham Williams era after three years of Hinchcliffe and Holmes. And the Graham Williams era, in many respects, is better than Hinchcliffe and Holmes. But you try finding anybody who enjoyed it more. Mm. You know, general public, the viewing figures, they weren't sky high. Well, apart from in the one year when ITV went off for about eight weeks, where they just went literally through the roof. But, But the general public... I suspect probably enjoyed the Graham Williams stories pretty much every yeah, bit as much to, as they did the rest. Right. You know, to love all of it, you you have to start questioning yourself: Am I being subjective about this? So I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I don't hate it. I'm, I'm certainly not going to say, "Oh my god, he's ruined our program." No, 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 like no, that. No, no. It's, it really I'm feeling in tonal shift. Face. In tonal shift, it feels more like the the John Nathan Turner Christopher Bidmead season that they after seventeen. Th- yeah, they yeah. ditched everything, but hopefully. They'll, and that was quite a successful season. That built up an audience. Ish, so, that, yeah. so that by the time the second, the the first Davison season came out, then they really did build on that. Well, that was because it moved days, and there's, that's a different kind of audience. But yeah. but I'm I'm happy if it's building an audience that it's building a foundation, but so that at it. some point they'll get someone else in. Mm. Well, it's not, yeah, a few it's doing time. exceptionally well in terms of viewing figures. So, you know, it's out, outdoing the last two Peter Capaldi years. Mm. But then a lot of the trouble with the Peter Capaldi years was shoving it in these slots on Saturdays where it just wasn't working. I wonder if Peter Capaldi had been on on Sundays like this one is, what the viewing figures might have been like. I, they I wouldn't have been like this. I think she's much, yeah. she's a much more instantly engageable doctor yeah instantly exactly, likable yeah. doctor yes and the drama is much more digestible yeah you don't have to watch these twice oh no to no know what's happened with capaldi yeah. you have to watch them twice and then you want to watch them a few more times than that. but i don't think you do because i think the way <laughs> that worked was that you got enough of the sense of what was going on that even if you couldn't follow a specific beat you still knew what had happened so, because still in Capaldi, as in Russell T. Davis, as in these episodes now, as in the entire classic series, most of the people who've seen any episode of Doctor Who have only ever seen it once. Yeah. The vast, vast, vast majority, even in these days of catch up and watch again and repeat channels and all that. So, I think the Stephen Moffat stories worked for a one-time viewer. They just had so much in them that they worked better if you did watch them twice. These are not necessarily the kind of episodes that you might want to watch twice. 
but seeing as 90 plus percent of the audience ain't ever gonna, mm. they're just tailoring yeah. it more to that audience. Oh, yeah, sat there and watched it and didn't really react apart from the cute alien. Mm. She didn't really. I think it was one of those kind of episodes. I think it just. I think maybe this doing it simple, keeping it straightforward, I think it's a bit more exposed by that this is the cheap one on the single set, maybe. But there's a lot of grown up, um, you know, ideas in this as well about the woman who's, you know, having beta blockers or whatever for heart. And, you know, that that's quite a serious issue. Mm. And she dies and they have a bit of a, a funeral again. There's a lot mm. of death in this, which is being taken seriously. I thought she had sort of PTSD or something. Yeah. When I first yeah, said it, until thinking. it was an actual... But even the guy having the baby, I mean, there are moments there, he might be an alien that's coming through his stomach, but there are tons of stuff, I mean, for everybody who's had children, you know, where, when your wife is sitting there and she's in absolute agony, there is a moment where she goes, right, oh, I don't want this now. I don't no. want this to happen. Yeah. And you know it's coming. That's yeah. all midwives say that. Uh, my wife's a midwife, so, she, you know... She'll back me up with that. And, <laughs> and call the midwife. I was laughing at all those jokes because obviously I, I have to watch that. <laughs> that was somewhat undermined though, that line. He said, I've watched all of Call the Midwife. And I think the doctor said something before, just before it, about having watched 900 casts of something. Oh, no, just, Hamilton. Was it? Yeah, she talked about Hamilton. Um, so 51, she was riff- She was doing a bit of of information about the number 51. Right, through the round window. Yeah. And she mentioned something about that's the number of, oh God, letters Hamilton wrote. And then she said, oh, I'd seen all 900 casts of Hamilton. And then the next is, minute he's making a joke about having seen every episode called Midwife. So mm. m- maybe on, on paper it, yeah, there was a nice yeah. pairing up. But they're it, not worth you. But it undermined the second well, yeah. No, but what I quite liked was, the end, too much, was really. the end of that sentence when he says, well, you're on YouTube wasting your days away. I'm learning skills. It's like, is this what Yeah, that, no, that was telling. great. Yeah. Again, in isolation. It's <laughs> we all think of... we're an expert because we're watching these dramas on TV. I, yeah. I really like Graham. Graham's yeah, really yeah. good in this. Yeah. There's some great choices in terms of character drama as well. Mm. Like at the end, after they've had the baby and Graham puts his hand up for a fist bump mm. and Ryan says oh, no. 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 But... <laughs> You can tell. You can we're tell. All rooting, we're all rooting for Graham. Aren't that's we? another. T- so that's a repeated thing that they've yeah. done before. But what I'm so saying you can is, tell by the end of the season, there's, 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 yeah, there's yeah. going to be a moment where they they fist bump. But it's still a nice choice on the writer's <laughs> behalf because at that moment in the episode, you kind of expected him to do it. Well, or Ryan will Ryan will offer it up. That would be better, wouldn't it? What on earth are you two laughing at? That's uh, just the way he said it. Um, any more or give, give it a score? Uh, Bradley Walsh is going to come off really well out of this series, this, this series of Doctor Who. I think he's basically sort of been one of the standout characters in I each episode. I think Tosin Cole is amazing as well, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I, and I tell you what, um, Mandip Gill, who plays Yaz, she's not really had a chance to shine, but she was astonishing in Hollyoaks, and she's got a lot more still to come. Next week is presumably going to be her big... Yeah, big well, you'd hope so. I thought the bits yeah. that she did in this, she did really nicely. The bit where she's talking to him, and she's just doing this very um, subtle nodding. Mm. Yeah, in I a mean, particular way. Her acting's great, but the, 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 there are two lines in this 
that she had to deliver, and they oh, she did have a couple of clunkers. They didn't were she? clunkers, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And you just think you don't need. She was basically given an analogy, a modern day analogy of something that was going. And how you know? But it was like she instantly knew. She said something. Oh, it's Simon. It's like what? How, it's how a, would she? It's even... a bit like my helmet can. Or something, my police. Oh, yeah, yeah it's like on my jacket. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad she explained that because yeah. I honestly didn't know what they were talking about. But oh, there was a lot of explaining <laughs> stuff that we could see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an awful lot of it. But then, kind of, that's what they're doing this year, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And that's presumably why the audience has stuck around after the huge number that watched that first episode. Because mm. people I, seem to like that. I don't. I, I don't want to keep. I don't want to keep moaning about this episode. But there's an interesting design fault, isn't there? With the TARDIS, anyway. We know this. I mean, it's designed for eight eight people or something to go around the, and control it. Never have we seen that in any episode. Where there's six, apart from six people, six people apart from the voyage journey's home, end, journey's, journey's end, end. Yeah. And um, so that's the only time we ever see that amount of people around it. But anyway, but in this room, the circular room that looks like the TARDIS. So they've got the console there, which is obviously circular. So people have to be around it to get to it this is an emergency uh station you know space station whatever and then this circular information point is you've got to run to each side of the room to have a look at this really important yeah, but, stuff why don't you just they have do, it all next they do to each point other? out that the, the ship is automatically controlled so the 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 information around the edge isn't for people to run the ship it's just so. Well, it's just it they then? they walk around well, just so checking check that the ship's yeah. okay. But why does they do the that? rounds? Doesn't matter. Doesn't so it? you can do the rounds. Ergonomically oh, speaking, you just put it in front of you. Yes, but if it was a square room, you'd be walking into yeah. corners even further away. So if you make it round, yeah. everything's at the same distance. And plainly, this is very retro because holographics would have been definitely around. I think, and if you, you know, it's going to be a few centuries ahead, we're going to be. Using holograms and things to, to to move about information, it's not going to. I mean, Jesus! I tell you what, though, they didn't have a lean. They sort of paint with a rabbit. Hole, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I tell you what, <laughs> I'm loving the space outfits in this uh, in this new season. Everybody's got a space outfit. There's no jeans and t-shirts hanging about. The, the guy, yeah, Ben Bailey Smith, apart was wearing from, uh, the jeans and the t-shirt. Apart from, <laughs> apart, apart, apart from, from him, one wearing jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the pregnant guy was also wearing jeans yeah, and a t-shirt. Apart, no, he wasn't. He was wearing strange apart clothes. The, apart strange from the sewers, yeah, the bird, the wasn't. education system. Yeah, but he's not. <laughs> he, but they're not space people. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So that was he really flew fun. the spaceship at the end. Yeah, but that was because. But apart from when he was flying the spaceship at the end, yeah, he wasn't a space. He wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a medicine. No, there was, you know, basically, okay. if you're on a ship, you want to wear something that's spacey. You don't want to wear yeah. they were so wearing they're... doctory things. Yeah, like, yeah. like armour. But even, but even <laughs> the guy who's having classic, the baby, he had, a very, yeah, he had a very strange kind of buttoned up tunic and well, strange baggy trousers. That's because they that's needed great. to bust him open to get out the baby. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Well, I don't know. They make, make an effort to make you feel like you're in the future as opposed to just kind yeah, of somebody yeah. with a pair of wranglers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They were already showing his hairy legs, didn't they? <laughs> anyway, um, I was going to um, the spandex. the general's lapels, yeah, those black ridiculous lapels, uh-huh. uh, real spacey. That was really J and T, wasn't it? Love it. I liked her. Yeah. I liked her when she went when she went very military. Oh, then there was great, a problem. Yeah. But I was going to say about the lapels. I watched it on transmission, and yeah. straight afterwards they showed an advert for um, I think it was BBC Radio. Right. And uh, Rita Ora came on, and I honestly thought it was a Mickey take. She was wearing this dress, this purpley pink 
shimmer, uh, kind of shiny dress, but with these shoulder pads that came up a yeah. bit like crotons. Oh wow! On on the side, uh, and they look ridiculous, and it, and the the black lapels look perfectly sane in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Let's mm. give this one a score before we get any more fashion. Thanks, Lee. That's all right. <clears throat> no worries. All right, Lee. I'm starting with you then. Six. Okay. Do you want to like expand slightly? But um, I think we've all said it. There seems to be some fantastic little moments. Absolutely. Brilliant moments, in fact. And some great tense moments as well, which we didn't really bring out. But Tense some... moments? Te- well, the tension was... Uh, well, the, the pace and the tension was right between the little cuts and the edits. They were just perfect. But, apart from those little tiny bits, I know, I feel quite empty about this. It doesn't emotionally move me at all. Have you given birth? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not... I don't know. It feels unmade. It feels like cookie dough. Simon? They... Jesus Christ, what am I talking no, about? I'm looking at Matt. I'm not, I'm not Jesus Christ either. But no, Matt. I'm happy to. Well, I, so I gave last week's a seven and didn't like it that much. I think I'm scoring all of these in on their own merits. So this season is a sort of a self-contained thing. because you know, I've, Yeah, it's possible to score something more highly because you appreciate it. Well, that's but what I've been doing. You enjoy really it less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I've, this one I've, I think is about an eight for me. Okay. Really? Yeah, because I enjoyed it better, more than I enjoyed last week's, and I gave last week's a seven. Yeah. But I might have to sort of like raster down all the scores slightly. If I really, really, if I start, if this series starts taking off for me, then I might have to invent new numbers between <laughs> between eight and ten just to try <laughs> to squeeze things in. The yeah. So, yeah, yeah eight. Okay. Shimon. Um yeah, I think I, I started off the podcast thinking this is a seven and now I think it's a six because it just I don't think it's an issue with the story at all. <laughs> no. I think it's how that story manifests to the viewer. It it just feels like it just feels a bit clunky. Yeah. It's it Yeah, it just feels it feels a bit meh. Yeah, <laughs> Meh. That's, that's that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, and do you know what? I posted on Facebook this week how much I hate the phrase "meh." I think the word. I think it was oh, basically yeah. The well, the phrase, the word. Basically, there was a problem with the ideation of the the writer for putting mm. things on the screen. Yeah, the, the what? Way the he, ideation. Yeah, the waking ideation. Oh, ideating. Was yeah, ideating. Up. Yeah. Uh, do you know? What? I think I would have enjoyed this more if I was having supper whilst watching it. Do you know what I think? Excuse my French, but seriously, <laughs> I did say freaking hell there, which is kind of sounds like 2018, doesn't it? It's another word that sounds doesn't like words. everybody. Suck. Is that a new word? As long yeah, as you is, say yeah. fracking hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This has taken on a whole new meaning since Battlestar Galactica, right? What's the okay. problem? What's the problem with the word supper? Just, just it's you... just the sound of it. I, I, it's like chalked down a blackboard. Papa, papa. Oh, horrible. Really? Supper, supper. You I must have hated by the word supper. What? A... <laughs> All right. Well, we've got our own things, haven't we? Well, let's explore this. What about Tupperware? Are you all right yeah, with that's cusp- 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 Tupperware? That's on the cusp of it. What about the word puppet? Puppet? That's, that's yeah. not too bad. Poppet is hard, isn't very nice. Oh, what? So, Copper? No. Copper's all right. Okay, so it's Cupper? the up. Copper? That's like supper with a C. Copper. Copper. Yeah. Okay. So is this your restraining words so that when you're doing something <laughs> <laughs> doing it so when you're doing something 
that you don't necessarily want to get too excited about too quickly. You just kind of start mouthing the word supper to yourself. Yeah, maybe the wife says it to me too often. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Phil doesn't dislike a bit. I say it's time for something, she says it's time for supper. Maybe that's where it comes from. (laughs) You mean mean it's a... It really is a euphemism for something, then. No, it? no. I just don't like the sound of the word. I don't know what it is. It's mm, interesting. Don't make faces. We've all got weird things. But my man just it. said the word supper is a euphemism for something that may or may not involve sex. It's not much of a euphemism, is it? Did something happen in your childhood? Is this coming straight from your childhood? Oh! <laughs> I don't know. This is dissolved again. At okay. some point, I think it's okay, just going to no. throw it out there. I'm giving it a six as well. Carry on. <laughs> what is supper anyway? What is, it's tea, is it? What is supper? Well, it's northern for dinner, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. No. I thought it was something. You have you have breakfast. You have lunch. lunch. Or is it like or something dinner. just before bed? Then you have tea. Yeah. Okay. And in the north, you have breakfast, you have dinner, and you have tea. Down here, you have breakfast, you have lunch, and you have dinner. Right. So, where does supper fit into that? Is that like that something to eat before you go to bed? Before bed. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I don't. I don't eat before I go to bed because it will keep me awake. Taste a bit of crumpet before bed. Bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was saying supper that might be something my wife says to get. As you were saying, it's something to stop me being excited. Oh, you see, because we already moved on from that. Oh, right. We're talking about something. <laughs> it's it's you were talking about it like it was a code word. It for depends what you're nookie. Well, yeah, but it yes. depends what your tastes well, are. Nookie, I mean, if it's, it doesn't matter. Similar. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're not excited by that sort of thing. Right. So, you know. <laughs> Mine's Cameron. Yeah. What? My stop word. Your stop word is Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell has happened on this podcast? <laughs> Am I going to have to edit this all out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Dear go. listener, if you can hear this, this is only because I couldn't be bothered to get rid of it. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not going to say what my, my word is. Your cyber map, presumably, you don't need one. Oh, <laughs> oh right. it's Lord Baltimore Win Stanley. <laughs> It works every time. That's a lot to. Oh, I know. Back to the, that's a lot to get but, out of your mouth. By the time they get it out, it's just too late. <laughs> and then for me, it's I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh my god! <laughs> Something about Mary seeing that. Phil Collins, my least favourite singer of all time. Really, as we've established many times in the past. Um, I got a very quick film review, which is called The Big Bad Fox and Other Stories, which is a French animation from last Christmas that has now been dubbed into English for this Christmas on the DVD market. Um, It's been dubbed into English by people like Bill Bailey, Aid Edmondson, Celia Imry, and people like that. Um, It is... Uh, three short films with a linking sequence pretending that they're taking place in a theatre. The characters are all animals. So there's a pig, uh, a rabbit, some chickens, mm-hmm. a wolf and a fox. <clears throat> and um, three very simple stories, each about 20-odd 20, 20 minutes long, um, in which the, the first one, um, there's a stork delivering a baby 
it crashes over the farm. They all take place on the same farm. And the pig decides he needs to get the baby to its destination because the stork now can't be bothered. And so he and um, rabbit and uh, uh, chicken or something, I can't remember. <laughs> Basically, it's a bit of a farce. They're running around trying to get this baby to its destination and everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And it's three short films like that. It's done in a style that tries to replicate the old hand-drawn. And it's very effectively done. It's got like watercolour backgrounds and the characters are hand-drawn and then animated by computers. So it works. It's quite nice. I watched it with a four-year-old. He laughed quite a lot. I didn't think it was up to a great deal, though. Sort of seven out of ten. Mm. Anybody got anything else they want to talk about? Well, coincidentally, <laughs> I watched uh, an early Studio Ghibli movie called Pompoko. Is this a new release? Because you know what a hard time we gave Lee last week about non-new releases. That's <laughs> no, an old release. No, this is an old it's one. A, it's it's brilliant, though, isn't it? It is great. It Pompoko. is great. It's probably got more in common with Animal Farm than anything, it called? isn't it? Pompo's Conkers. Not one of your safety words. Um, <laughs> That's a startup, isn't it? Uh, it's, isn't Pompco's Conkers one of the early episodes from um, Dad's Army? No, what's that series where they've got the three old men on the hillside in Yorkshire? Last of the Summer oh, Boy. Yeah. Combo. This is <laughs> this where to stuff it. It means something quite touching in Japanese. And JR is being incredibly racist. Yes. <laughs> I don't say that it's racist. Pompoko. <laughs> Who knows what it means? Well, Pompo's Conkers. <laughs> <laughs> is it good <laughs> it's really good it's really good and I came quite out the other dark. side quite quite affected by it yeah it's quite long as well yeah it's like the... a bunch of raccoons isn't it yeah it's a bunch of raccoons who um, well it's, it's a typical Ghibli thing about the relationship between nature and man and development so you've got a group of raccoons where there's a, a human development where they're starting to bulldoze load of where they live and things like that but the raccoons have an ability of transforming. So you'll see this thing where they're running around like proper raccoons, like something out of Watership Down, and then they'll suddenly mutate into more cartoony versions and they're wearing clothes and things like that. <laughs> and at first you think it's like a, it's just like a visual thing to make it, you know, for it to communicate with the viewer, but then you realise they are actually transforming and they develop this ability to transform to the point where they like start transforming into like stoves. Yeah. And, and and then they work out how to transform to humans. So that's where the animal farm thing comes in because they start interacting with the human. They realise the only way they can survive is to start behaving like humans. Right. So um, it's just yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. A couple of hours long, but um, but it didn't feel like it. No. Watching it, it was like, the characters are really good in it. There's betrayal and there's all kinds of stuff. Going there's on. a voiceover, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. So there's narration all the way through. So the character and they sort of talk about it, yeah. going, working through the ages of the raccoons, and um, yeah, it's another really good one. Have you seen anything new? <laughs> <coughs> I saw Lee, Carry On no, Screaming the other day. Oh, no, that's an old one. Okay, go on. Anybody yeah. got anything else they want to talk about? No. No. Okay, all right then. Well, in that case, next week we'll be back to talk about the partition of India. But until then, I was JR. I was Lord Baltimore Winstanley. <laughs> you were Pompo's Conquer. You. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still pregnant. <laughs> and we'll speak again soon. <laughs> <laughs>